Welcome to the Tabletop Journal Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. Hosted by Dave Turner, Seat Yourself is 20 to 30 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. This podcast was originally published on the week of February 24th, 2020, and runs for approximately 30 minutes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Seat Yourself. I'm Dave Turner, and I'm your host here at Seat Yourself, and I want to welcome you to another great episode of our weekly podcast, all from the world of Hospitality Tabletop. This week, in addition to our news segments, one of which, by the way, has a certain blue-logoed hotel chain receiving another great and incredible award. But we've also got a product story on a great new supplier who I think you'll find very interesting as well. Cool products with a great story behind them. And along with that, in our product news, we've got an update on a partnership started three years or so ago, and it just seems to be getting better and better with age. And of course, we've got another great 60 Seconds with Shannon segment this week, and this is where we sit and discuss the question of the week with the lovely and the very talented Shannon Talon. This week, Shannon and I talk about the trend of upscale banquet products and deciding whether that upscaling trend will continue or not. Shannon, of course, is the well-known category buyer for tableware and buffetware at Chicago's Edward Don & Company. And you know, we use that tagline for Shannon's company, everything but the food, for nearly 100 years. Well, next year is their 100th year, so I guess we'll have to work on a slight edit to that tagline in the near future. 100 years of success for Edward Don & Company. To me, that's more than amazing. But back, back to this week's podcast, we're going to close it all out this week as we usually do with our commentary segment. And this week, the commentary segment is about the ingredient of clarity. Clarity is such an important ingredient in so many areas of our lives, and so is the need to practice it regularly. And we'll tell you why that's so. So that's it. Welcome again to Seat Yourself. This is episode number 63, by the way. I hope you enjoy it. And as we always do, we start each episode of Seat Yourself Off with our stat of the week. And this week's stat, 3.1%. That's the amount, 3.1%, that U.S. restaurant menu prices in January were up over a year ago levels. All this, according to new Bureau of Labor Statistics data and all reported on by the National Restaurant Association. And why is that number important? Well, first of all, successful operators must keep ahead of rising costs to remain profitable, Otherwise, they will no longer be great customers and long-term, their ability to remain a going concern may come into jeopardy. But a 3.1% increase in menu prices gives suppliers an idea of what people closest to the consumer, that would be the food service and hospitality operators, that would be the number that they feel the marketplace will be able to absorb. And in the early part of the year is when many supplier companies reevaluate and change their pricing. We know that as well. Now, of course, We'll see what the impact of the global marketplace is and inflation is from the current coronavirus situation. But for now, 3.1% is the increase on restaurant menu prices in January versus a year ago. And that's the stat over the week, 3.1%. And in news this week, from the Well, They've Done It Again file, Hilton Hotels has been recognized for its extraordinary workplace culture, earning the highest honor on the prestigious 2020 Fortune Best Companies to Work For in the U.S. list. All this for the second consecutive year. 
Hilton is the first and the only hospitality company in history to achieve the number one ranking, and it's the first company to do so two years in a row. In its fifth consecutive year on the list, Hilton joins a distinguished handful of companies to ever earn the top spot two years running. From Chris Nassetter, President and CEO of Hilton, he says, Our team members are truly the driving force behind our incredible workplace culture. They are the heart and soul of our Hilton family and are responsible for delivering on the promise we make to our guests to provide exceptional experiences both here in the U.S. and around the world. Nassetta continued on by saying, There's no more fitting way to begin our next century of hospitality than by celebrating our team members and thanking each and every one of them for the meaningful ways, both big and small, they have created a welcoming place for all. Hilton takes great care to cultivate meaningful opportunities and a workplace culture where all team members can thrive and be themselves. The company does so through the continuous development of impactful programs that support and invest in team members in ways that matter to them both personally and professionally. And this ranges from achieving the next step in their career to seeing the world with their family and friends. In the past year alone, Hilton has improved its industry-leading programs and benefits by expanding its parental leave policy and by introducing additional development opportunities and comprehensive benefits tailored for the veteran community. They've also done it by launching an industry-first partnership with Milk Store to make travel easier for working parents. These thoughtful enhancements join Hilton's other comprehensive team members' benefits, which include generous paid time off, along with exclusive team member travel perks and discounts, along with paid sabbaticals, and even extensive continuing education and career development programs. Most recently, Hilton has invested in new tools and a leadership development framework to create new pathways for new responsibilities and career advancement and continuous learning opportunities for team members at every level. Matt Schuyler, Chief Human Resources from Hilton, he chimed in by saying, This recognition speaks for the results to our ongoing efforts to create an inclusive workplace that gives all of our team members a sense of family and belonging. We are honored to be recognized as the best company to work for and are grateful to our team members for the unique and diverse experiences that they bring to work each and every day that strengthens our culture and truly makes Hilton a great place to work for all. By the way, in case you were wondering, Hilton has a workforce that spans nearly 430,000 people across 119 countries and territories. And this recognition, it comes as a result of the positive feedback direct from their team members. Over the past four years, Hilton has been ranked as a best place to work more than 100 times by the Great Place to Work Institute, including being named number one in Italy, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Argentina, and Peru. They've also been named the number one best place for parents and the number one best workplace for women. All we can say is wow. Once again, hats off to Hilton for being the number one best place to work for the second year in a row. And in other news this past week, according to a Wall Street Journal story, the bloom may be fading from the food delivery rows as the biggest food delivery companies in the United States are seeking to shore up their finances through mergers or public listings. All of this, the Wall Street Journal says, is according to executives in an industry that has generated rapid growth but spotty profits. DoorDash, Postmates, and Uber Eats have each discussed merging in various combinations last year, according to the story, which cites people familiar with all those talks. None of those discussions, however, have resulted in a deal, at least as of yet. And according to the story, Postmates, which privately filed to go public early last year, is looking 
at going public again. According to a person familiar with its strategy, the person said the company chose not to go public last year after lackluster offerings from both Uber and Lyft and the botch listing of the office share startup WeWork, We Company. And the article stated that DoorDash is also considering a public listing and is open to raising more money from private investors, said a person familiar with the company's plans. And over at Grubhub, that's the biggest U.S. public company focused on food delivery. Profit has shrunk, and shares have dropped 39% in the past year. All this while the company has ramped up services to restaurants to compete. The Chicago-based company said it's had talks with advisors about strategic options, and it sees itself as a potential buyer. Food delivery, while it's always been an expensive undertaking, has gotten even harder in the U.S. Companies that began with largely separate strongholds now overlap in many, many markets. And customer loyalty has dropped as companies have pumped out deals to try their services. Industry metrics show, and food delivery and restaurant executives say consolidation only makes sense. According to Grubhub Chief Executive Matt Maloney, he said, By mid-year, I believe there'll be more clarity in our industry. And in case you're wondering, this is not just a U.S. story. The sector is also consolidating globally. British food delivery company Just Eat recently agreed to merge with Dutch takeover company Takeaway.com. And Germany's delivery hero agreed to buy South Korean competitor for $4 billion in December. The whole concept of food delivery grew rapidly in the U.S. over the past five years thanks to a flood of venture capital. Companies with food delivery operations raised nearly $16 billion, that's billion with a B, between 2016 and last year, all according to data firm PitchBook. Delivery companies use the cash to expand across the U.S. and invade each other's strongholds. DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, Grubhub, they all say they can deliver to about three-quarters of the U.S. now. And delivery has grown to some 5% of roughly $600 billion of the U.S. restaurant market, according to Morgan Stanley. So, while we here have been talking for a while now about how the growth in off-premise dining may affect the overall hospitality tabletop industry, it appears that the story now has at least a few more chapters to be written. But, today's consumers are indeed looking for different ways of dining, and delivery is never going to go back or go away. So, tabletop suppliers, pay close attention and make sure you keep telling your individual story and proving your value. Make sure that your customers know just how much tabletop matters to the guest dining experience in your customers' restaurants. And in our next story, it comes from a website called glassofbubbly.com, of all things. And who doesn't love a good glass of bubbly? With the title reading, Are Champagne Flutes a Thing of the Past? This article caught our eye because we've long been a preferred uh, customer of the regular tall and slimmer white wine glass for all our bubbles. And it's for the simple, and if not very profound, frankly, reason that capacities of this type of wine glass are much usually much greater than the average champagne flute style glass. Now, this article from glassofbubbly.com comes along and presents the radical theory that producers of bubbly want to be taken more seriously as makers of great wine, rather than producers of a celebratory-centric type of drink. Well, as far back as anyone can remember, champagne was was and has been synonymous with celebration. And now it seems that the champagne producers want to let wine drinkers know that theirs is more of a gastronomic wine, wine that goes well with certain types of food, much like other reds and white wine producers do. And all of this seriousness leads to us to the article's central question, are champagne flutes part of the past? Well, our well-thought-out position on this is, 
Why do we have to choose? <laughs> For those celebratory times, flutes seem to be providing just the right touch of elan. And when they have no particular reason to celebrate, after all, who really needs a special occasion to bring out the bubbles? A great, well-balanced 13 to 14 ounce white wine glass, that works perfectly for us. Isn't it great that in today's world of viruses, geopolitics, and what's the latest on Harry and Meghan, we can still focus on the really important things, like our champagne flutes, a thing of the past. For more on this critical and very urgent story, you can go to their website, glassofbubbly.com. And finally in news, in another story of great global and geopolitical importance, it seems that British Airways will be testing robot bartenders in their San Francisco and Newark club lounges. Customers can order a drink through the British Airways app and place a cocktail glass on the system's conveyor belt and let the robot work its magic. It all sounds so, well, efficient. Does that sound right? Does British Air think that's what the world has been waiting for? A robot bartender? Call me old-fashioned, but we don't mind waiting an extra minute or two for a human-poured cocktail with a side of legitimate human interaction. While we'll continue to expound on the guest experience, will you listeners who travel through either San Francisco or Newark on British Airways try this, and then let us know how it works out for you. We know that BA has been investing and working hard to improve its traveler experience, and we really applaud that, truly. But do they really think that adding robot bartenders should be a central part of their massive multi-billion dollar plan to improve the passenger experience over the next five years? After all, aren't club lounges where you expect to get the very best service and have the very best guest experiences? We're just saying. And first up in product news this week, whenever we go to a great show like Ambiante, we're always on the lookout for something new, something fresh, something interesting. Perhaps it's a little nugget of a, a new product or a, a new idea or a concept, something that our followers can take advantage of to immediately improve their business. And to be honest, sometimes we hit it just right, and other times, well, we come up empty. Well, this time, thanks to our good friend Xander Lorenzen Henson. Xander, by the way, is from Copenhagen and has his own company, Mixology International. And Xander's all about glassware and all about mixology, and he was one of the featured speakers at Ambiante's Horeca Academy. You can find out more about Xander on LinkedIn, and you can learn all about him there. But at Ambiante, Xander recommended we visit a company called Ife. Now, Ife is a Taiwan-based company that, among other things, makes trays. Trays that could be used for a wide variety of uses, but so that you get the picture here on our podcast, I'll call these ones cafeteria-type trays. And while the original material in use in Ife's trays may be melamine, Ife has reduced its use of melamine percentage by using 30 to 50% from locally sourced and recycled materials. These recycled materials range from tea and coffee grounds to fabric rags and wheat husk. They even use recycled wood chips from a furniture factory to get the melamine, uh, re they reduce the melamine in that particular tray by nearly 60%. So not only is Ife reducing the melamine in their trays, they're also using all types of recycled materials. We counted 15 different materials in use in the production of their trays. By the way, those trays come in two sizes right now. We also love the idea of matching up the colors of the trays with the recycled materials in use as well. It's a very cool idea from a merchandising and marketing standpoint. Today's hospitality operators, they're, they're more and more looking for sustainable products and products that are frankly friendlier to the earth. Ife in their trays, they seem to be a great step in that direction. And at Ambiante, 
we caught up with eFace Managing Director, a lady by the name of Ni Wang, and here's what she had to say. Okay, hello, hi, I'm Ni from eFace. I'm the managing director of this company, and I'm, we are actually, well, Ifei is a Menamin manufacturer. Yes, you are right. Menamin is the notorious material that everybody knows uh, we do uh, from many years ago that somebody bad people put our material in a powder and toxic, make it toxic. So uh, it's being a very difficult time for us to change, think about the change. And when it comes to change, what we want to do is we know we cannot change how people think about us, but we can do something from very, very small. And this is what comes to us. Okay, if we are going to make a change, what are we going to do? And uh, when it comes to eco, we think about eco. What can we do with eco? How can we do differently? How can we do um, not to really do something different? Because minimum manufacturing is the only thing we know, and it's the only thing we have been doing for the past 43 years. So we believe uh, each material has its mission to the world. And, but how can we make it better? And when it comes to better, when it comes to eco-friendly, there are three very important things. One is recycle, one is reuse, the other is reduce. And this is our idea coming from. And, but when it comes to uh, eco-friendly product, people always believe you have to be you know, very planned, you have, it, it sounds very poor, you are recycling, it sounds very trash. You are picking things from the trash. No, we don't want to do it. We want to have this idea of why don't we remix all the three concepts? When I say remix all the three concepts, we think about a material that is met with recycled waste. Our material, yes, is reusable. It's so uh, it's so resistant that it can be reusable again and again and again. Yes, so we fit the first criteria. The second one is our product. This new material uh, we made with thirty plus recycled uh, material, recycled waste. I should say recycled waste, which can be wheat husk, rice husk, orange peels used tea grounds, used coffee. So we collect all this waste material from factory, from food factories, process them, and then put them together with our material to make different items. And then, so it comes to the third part is the reduce. Fantastic, we reduce 30 plus percent of the virgin material, of the new material. So uh, this concept is so, ex really excite us because we mix all the three concepts together and create this remixing ideas. Because we believe uh, eco-friendly should be very rock and roll things. It shouldn't be boring, it shouldn't be, you know, we love the earth. We, no, we want to have fun. We want to invite the young people to join us together to get excited about what we are doing. 
And we want you to use the material to, we want to invite people to create their own stories by our materials. So here are the 15 inspirations for your stories. Why don't you join us and start your own story? One of the major themes overall at Ambiente was sustainability. And with Ife's use of recycled materials, we love that part of Ni's story. And of course, she doesn't shy away from the fact that they currently still use a majority of melamine in a lot of their trays. We have to give them a lot of credit, however, for reducing that amount used, and they've reduced it substantially. So you can find out more about Ni's company, Ife, by going to our story on Tabletop Journal's journal page, where you'll see pictures of the trays and you can see what they look like, including the colors that they come in. And of course, you can always learn more by going to their website. It's ife.com.tw. And as a follow-up on a partnership that we first spoke to you about several years ago, Australia's Robert Gordon Pottery and tabletop giant Steelite International teamed up together then, and that partnership now has gone on for approximately three years, and it's slowly taking form, but now it's producing some of the coolest handcrafted-looking dinnerware products. Personally speaking, we like the Adelaide design. It's one of our favorites. It's some of the coolest handcrafted-looking dinnerware products that's produced anywhere for restaurants, and it's sold now all over the world. And keep in mind that for over 70 years and three generations, the Robert Gordon Pottery in Australia has been making quality pottery and building its reputation on craftsmanship and creativity, all the while continuing to strengthen the importance of its long heritage with such a strong focus on innovation and design. With its strong reputation and uh, being synonymous with quality, the Robert Gordon Porcelain from Steelite Those products are designed and developed in Australia and then handed over to China for production, ensuring that the Australian aesthetic is never lost. And at Ambiente, we caught up with Robert Gordon's Sam Gordon and asked him for an update on his company's partnership with the team at Steelite International. And here's what Sam had to say. So a lot's happened in three years, Dave. Um, I guess American market jumped on straight away ordering, um, biting into the Potter's collection, whereas the UK and Europe took where they've only landed that probably a year and a half ago. But year on year, we've, we've continued to double our sales, which is which is um, far better than what we ever ever thought or dreamt of. Um, so I guess it's been a true collaboration between Steelite, who are, who are potters, and I think that was the only way we wanted to move forward with a distributor, someone who knew ceramics and, and knew how projects flowed. It, it takes a long time to get, uh, you know, something manufactured offshore in, in Asia and then brought to the market can take can take two years, which it has with a few ranges. Um, people like Cammy, um, Cammy Ricketts and, and Pam um, and John Miles have certainly been very patient and, and making sure that the designs are correct, um, everything fits right in the market where it has to be as far as pricing um, and quality. Great products from Robert Gordon Pottery and Steelhead International. And no wonder they're a hit. With great design and quality production and, non, and a non-stop traveling ambassador like Sam Gordon, what could you not like about that brand? Continued success to all sides on this outstanding partnership. Now 60 Seconds with Shin, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Don Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about Banquet China and whether the upscale trend will continue. Hi, everybody. We're back here with Shannon Talon. Shannon, of course, is a category buyer for tabletop and buffetware at Edward Don and Company in Chicago. And Shannon, today I want to talk a little bit about Banquet China. And uh, the options in Banquet China, really, they've 
really have improved dramatically over the past couple of years. And now there's so many different options from uh, uh, beautiful looking upscale embossed white dinnerware, even bone china being used for, for and, and really positioned from the get go on for banqueting and other high volume use. Is that something that you see continuing as a trend? Oh, absolutely. I think that banqueting in general and the products used, whether it's the dinnerware or other other products, we're just going to continue to see that follow trends that we see in traditional tabletop or in, you know, the the restaurant-based dinnerware. Uh, Because ultimately, we, we want People want at uh, a catered event or at a buffet-based event, they want the same experience that they're getting at their favorite restaurant or even what they're seeing in retail and using their own homes as consumers. And so, you know, you think about weddings, brides and grooms are, they want more and more differentiation. They want more and more things to be unique to them and to their event. Uh, and so the dinnerware is a big part of that. Uh, you walk into a, you walk into a, a, a conference hall or uh, whatever the case may be, and you see a beautifully laid table and it's just a showstopper. Uh, so I think we're absolutely going to continue to see the proliferation of that trend uh, because I think it's what it's, it's sort of a, an upward, an upward push from what we experience on the consumer side or on the restaurant side that we want to see translate into our buffet and cater event experience. Now, here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave talks about clarity and how we need to practice it regularly. Hi, everybody. We've frequently spoken about how important trust is in today's world. And in today's commentary, I want to speak about one of trust's main ingredients, and that's the ingredient called clarity, and why clarity is important for all of us, and especially to practice it regularly. Clarity is important on many fronts, both professionally and personally. Professionally, for instance, internal clarity is key when conveying a company's or any organization's purpose and vision. That's a given. Without clarity, employees and team members can get confused on what specifically the company has as its goals. And additionally, without clarity, often employees won't know what is expected of them or, equally important, just how they should be expected to achieve those goals. Any organization's leaders must work diligently to provide clarity, and we all must remember that it often takes several repetitions for concepts and ideas to be clear to us, especially if those concepts or ideas are new. And that's why storytelling is so helpful. As leaders, we all need to work on telling our stories better, both consistently and more concisely. And we need to tell that story with clarity repeatedly so that our listeners, first of all, hear it and that they understand it and most importantly, that they believe it. And then, professionally, there is external clarity as well. Clarity to our customers. Isn't that what they expect from their vendors? In these fast-changing times, where world events can often impact to a large degree our relationship with our customers, clarity becomes king. Having clear and concise, up-to-date information on company situations, situations like stock levels, stock availability, product quality, and company events can make or break those oh-so-important trust levels that we're all seeking with all of our customers. And then, of course, there's personal clarity as well. Clarity also matters within ourselves. To me, it's where it all starts. We must practice clarity to ourselves first 
before we can truly practice it with others. Clarity in our core values? Do we ever consciously think about and are we clear about who we truly are and what we truly believe in? Do we know what motivates us and what our own vision for ourselves is? Clouded personal visions can lead us sometimes to do things and become people that we don't really want to be. There's no question, clarity is important in our professional lives, but perhaps most importantly, it's important in our personal lives. Why is this issue of clarity so important anyway? Well, for starters, honesty is at the heart of clarity. It's far easier to trust and to have faith in honesty than it is in fuzziness and vagaries. Honest communication, whether it's our communication to other team members, to our customers, or even to ourselves, is a necessary ingredient to building higher levels of trust. And as we begin to be clear about who we are and what we believe in, others, whether it be team members or customers, are much more likely to follow along and support our ideas and our vision. Clarity in communication helps us minimize fuzziness and helps to build that bridge of honesty, all leading to higher levels of trust. Now, I'm not naive. There'll always be conflict when clarity of thinking and position is taken. But the key to dealing with that conflict is not avoiding it, but dealing with it by the exchange of information and by looking for understanding. Clarity is the key to better understanding. And better understanding does not always mean agreement, but it does mean better trust. So today, I'd like you to think about the ingredient called clarity. Practice it regularly, first to ourselves, and then to others. I'm Dave Turner, and I'll see you next time. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Seat Yourself. And as always, I want to thank the Rockstar Category Manager, Shannon Talent, for joining us today. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in as well. And finally, I want to make a special thanks to the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring in part this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And remember to be sure to check out their most recent tabletop advisor. You can download it from their website, www dot don dot com just go to the homepage and scroll down to the publication section we'll see you next time but always remember tabletop matters that concludes this week's episode of tabletop journals seat yourself podcast series for more news information and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com